to the Vicor Powering Innovation Podcast, where we discuss world-changing innovations. I'm Steve Germino, and I'm here with my co-host, Joe Ducey. On today's podcast, our guest is Luke Ghetto, Director of Product Management of Volt Server. Luke sits down with Robert Chandran, Vicor's VP of Product Development, to discuss their innovative technology called digital electricity. Joe, you know, collectively, we've been in marketing almost 50 years. And for me, digital electricity might be one of the most curious terms I've ever heard of. Yeah, absolutely. And we've certainly been around the block a few times and and we've seen and heard most of everything. But on the surface, I agree, this seems like one of those crazy made up sci-fi terms like dilithium crystal or a flux capacitor. But when you look under the hood, it's actually something pretty groundbreaking. You know, what Volt Server is doing isn't just a lab project. It's actually being used today in NFL stadiums and Las Vegas casinos and many other large-scale construction power-hungry projects around the world. Uh, The big difference from using AC power is that digital electricity can actually distribute high-voltage power over long distances using cabling that's used for network connections. So instead of using bulky, expensive wiring, contractors and electricians can use less expensive and lighter cabling. And that's not even the best part. One of the key benefits of using digital electricity is that it's 100% safe. And there's very few things you can say that about these days. You can actually cut the live line and grab it in your hand and not die. And that's not something I'd want to do with traditional or conventional wiring. Very true. From what I understand, there's like a perpetual safety check going on between a transmitter and a receiver to protect cowboys like yourself who want to rip out the wires and test them, I guess. But seriously, the digital electricity does have some innovative characteristics. You know, another important element about digital electricity is that you can run power and data through the same conduit without experiencing EMI issues. And that's a bit of a twist on conventional power electronics paradigms. You know, I feel like there's a lot to unpack here. So what do you say we get started and listen into the conversation with Robert and Luke? Hello again, this is Robert from Vicor. Today we'll be talking to another customer of ours, Volt Server. We are joined now with Luke Ghetto, Director of Product Management from Volt Server. Luke, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, nice to be on the show. Luke, uh, thanks for for joining us. Can you first maybe just introduce us to the listeners to who is Volt Server? Sure, I'd be happy to. So Volt Server has a patented technology called digital electricity. Digital electricity fills a gap between AC power and low voltage, most widely known as power over Ethernet. So the benefit of AC is it provides a significant amount of power. You know, everyone's familiar with the outlets on their walls. If you stick a fork in there, you're going to get cooked. Power over Ethernet, on the other hand, you can run with Ethernet cable. You could run it yourself. Your IT staff could run it or low voltage technicians, but it has a limited power. We provide a significant amount of power over a significant distance with the safety aspects mostly associated with power over Ethernet. So that allows us to power higher power devices further away from your power source than power over Ethernet. Okay. Now, I know on your website, you highlight three areas of application of your technology. I'm going to ask you about each one of these. So the first one you talk about is wireless densification. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so wireless densification simply means as we are transitioning from the 4G to the 5G era, there's going to be many, many more small cells, macro cells. There's going to be a lot more wireless radios to communicate with your phones, your tablets, and other devices. 
Now, for those wireless networks to work, you need to place those radios in an optimal location for wireless coverage and capacity. If you think about being in a building, that might be on the ceiling. If you're in a parking lot, that may be on a light pole. Well, what's the problem with something being on the ceiling that needs power? There's probably not a convenient outlet to plug that into. And you don't just want to run a power cord down the wall and plug it in next to someone's desk and coffee maker or whatever it may be. Those need to have reliable power. You know, people rely on their cell phones, not just for entertainment and communication, but, you know, in emergencies, right? So if somebody needs to call during an emergency, you can't have the power of your wireless network be dependent on the same wall outlet that you're powering your common appliances from. So in a stadium, in an airport, or other venues, they will deploy a parallel power infrastructure that is dedicated to the wireless network. That way it can be backed up for four or eight or 12 hours, depending on what the needs are. So what VoltServer does is says, look, you know, rather than running a parallel AC power infrastructure, we're going to enable you to use digital electricity to power your remote radios using the same pathways that you're going to be pulling fiber optic cable through. All these radios are being connected with fiber optic cable to handle that massive data bandwidth that is promised with 5G. So you're pulling your fiber, but with AC power, you're not allowed to pull it in the same conduit as fiber. So our technology allows you to combine those and it's a significant cost savings. So the conventional, I guess, solution would just be that is running, a, as you said, bulkier, larger AC conduit. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. You would have to have a dedicated AC conduit. It has to be installed by electrician. So now you're hiring two contractors, one to run fiber, one to run power, to power the same remote radio and multiply that in a venue by how many radios there are. So you're saving a significant amount of cost by combining those down to a single person, single contractor, and doing one cable pull instead of two. Interesting. So you talk about how this can work in a stadium. Now, your next area that you highlight, what you call controlled environment farming. Can you tell us more about that one? Sure. So controlled environment farming or agriculture, we're sort of in the midst of this next agriculture revolution. Each of the previous revolutions gave farmers more control. Things like the industrial revolution with modernized tools and things like that. Now, you know, how do you get the optimal control over a farm? Well, if you can control everything from the light, the water, the soil, that would be ideal, right? You wouldn't have to depend on the rain, cloudy days, sunny days, whatever. It would take a lot of that risk out of farming. The problem is, land, the soil is effectively free. The sun is effectively free, right? The rain, effectively free. So moving that farm indoors, you have to replace all of those naturally occurring elements, which is extremely costly. So you can imagine for something like tomatoes or lettuce that sell for a few dollars a pound, if that, it can be very hard to make an investment and make a return on investment on those applications. That's why there's a lot of cannabis in the news lately making waves, because I think when you can charge a few thousand dollars for a pound of your crop, it's a little bit more profitable, but they face the same problems, having to replace those. So how do we change that dynamic? So one of the biggest expenses to an indoor vertical farm is running electricity to power the lights. 
it is anywhere we've heard between 30 and 50% of the total CapEx to building an indoor farm. So what we've done is we've used our technology to power those LEDs directly with our digital electricity. And the benefits there are one, you don't need the electricians anymore to run conduit, run AC and things like that. It can be run by either low voltage technicians. It can be run by your own staff. And it's much more economical than powering each plot with AC. Some of these indoor farms have hundreds of plots or thousands of plots even. And then finally, the driver in the LEDs. We're able to remove the driver from the LEDs and drive the LEDs directly with our digital electricity. And the drivers have the highest failure point out of anything in the light. So removing those from the grow room removes that heat dissipation, it removes those failure points, and that's the value we're bringing to those markets is, is the, the lower cost of installation, the higher reliability on the lighting, and then on top of that, we offer a software that has a control so you can have lighting recipes depending on what you're growing. Is the last one you, you highlight you call intelligent buildings. What is that one about? Oh, that depends who you ask. <laughs> smart, <laughs> smart buildings, intelligent buildings, it's a very nebulous term. It can mean anything from pulling some temperature sensors and a thermostat into fully automated, you know, click a button and have everything served to you. So there's a wide range. This is a burgeoning market. What defines an intelligent building differs from person to person, area to area. But what we've seen is the intelligent building really is about adding IoT, Internet of Things devices to achieve certain goals, whether that's energy reduction, whether that's indoor air quality, any of those kind of things. Now, it's almost the same problem as wireless. When you're putting up security cameras, building access controls, sensors, they're not always conveniently located by an outlet. So if you're going to have all of these dongles hanging off your devices plugged into random outlets here and there, imagine trying to manage that as an IT professional in your building, not even knowing if somebody might have been unplugged something critical, you know, just plug in their space heater because they were cold. Also, all these devices are really DC powered. We're in a, you know, an interesting time where our primary power coming into all of our buildings is AC, but really very few things are able to run off of AC power, your laptop, your phone, everything has to be converted to DC. So by running AC to all these devices, every device has to have a converter inside of it. Those converters can lose five, 10, even 20% of the efficiency of that power. So rather than having all of these devices have their own converters in them, we can provide a DC-based infrastructure in these intelligent buildings to power all these devices directly with DC. So you'll have one conversion at your head end. So you'll convert AC to DC, then you can provide a DC based battery backup system. So you can have things like your security system and your building access controls available 24 seven. If you don't wanna have any issues with power supply, even if it's not a blackout, a short brownout can cause your whole system to reset. And you know how computers take 30 seconds, a minute or whatever to come back online. So even a small blip can be a big headache when you're operating those critical systems. So by centralizing the power and the backup, providing a DC infrastructure out to all these devices, you can achieve a higher level of efficiency, reliability, 
And that DC infrastructure, we actually know if you apply that, you can earn up to 18 lead credits. And I believe to get to the first level of lead certification is only 40. So you're almost halfway there. Between the stadiums, the farming you've talked about, the intelligent buildings, is there one application that stands out uh, that you're most proud of? It's hard to pin down just one that I'm most proud of. I think two, two recent projects that we've done, one is in the intelligent building space where we powered the new Circa Casino and Resort in Las Vegas. It was a ground up new building, first one in the downtown area of Las Vegas in, I believe, since the 80s. And we're powering a ton of stuff in that hotel. The wireless communications, we're powering the lights inside the rooms, the Wi-Fi, a whole bunch of stuff in it. I've been there. It's, it's a beautiful hotel and it's just spectacular to look at. And it's kind of uh, awe-inspiring to say, hey, our equipment is in there and we're helping them manage their electricity, distribute their electricity effectively. And then some of the farms we've done, it's just been amazing to watch these deployments. There's a lot of interest in food security, things like that, whether that's in the U.S. or other nations caused by all the supply chain issues that we're seeing now, the pandemic with the borders closing. People are really starting to think we need to get our food sources to be more local, to be more reliable, less dependent on other states, nations, people, whoever. And seeing those come to life has been very interesting. So we've powered a few farms and been there, turned on, like we're literally, you know, turning on the lights. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> and look, what's next for Volt Server? Where else do you see that you'll be able to apply your digital electricity? We've explored lots of different areas. You know, I think the intelligent building, as I mentioned, a very nebulous term, I think that's a big area of interest for us because there's so so many definitions, so many different things that can be done from it, especially with all the new energy regulations coming in, like ASHRAE, which is being adopted by California, the local 97 in New York City. Local municipalities are really trying to derive their buildings to use less energy and to think about, all oh, look, we got all these cool things. Now you got to plug them all in, but you still have to reduce your energy consumption because a lot of it, if it's not dependent on renewable energy, you're consuming those dirty fossil fuels. So we're not at the 100% renewables yet. So I think as we move towards a cleaner and greener future, but with the continued electrification of everything, just looking around right now, I got my watch, my phone, my laptop. Practically everything needs to be plugged in or charged. These things consume more and more electricity, but how do we reduce that consumption? So I think pairing our technology with things like a microgrid where you're using local renewables, that can be extremely valuable because now you're not dependent on whatever power is coming from the grid. You can use renewable energy and really manage your energy consumption a lot better. So look, digital electricity offers the benefits of low voltage with the power and distance capabilities of AC. Physically, what does this system entail? Good question. So digital electricity is what I would call a bookended system. So on one end of the system, we have what we call our digital electricity transmitter. The digital electricity transmitter accepts either AC power or DC power and then converts it to digital electricity. The digital electricity itself 
sends packets of energy. So what we're doing is we're turning the voltage on and off very quickly, and then we're measuring the safety. We call it a safety check every time we turn off the voltage. That safety check lets us determine if there's a short circuit, if somebody has touched the wires, or if there's some other fault that would tell us that there's an issue transmitting the digital electricity to the other side, which is a digital electricity receiver. So every time we're sending a packet, hundreds of times per second, we're doing a safety check. So what happens if someone were to grab those wires, it would detect it within milliseconds and it would turn off, it would stop sending those packets of energy. So we send a packet, did it get sent okay? Okay, send another packet. Did it get sent okay? No, don't send another packet. So in a fault, it dissipates a very, very small amount of energy. It's only about a joule of energy for our physics friends out there. You know, it feels like one of those things where you put a nine volt battery on your tongue. It's like a small little shock, but then that's it. It is not the type of shock you would experience if you stuck your fingers in an AC outlet. So now we have the digital electricity transmitter. It transports the digital electricity over the wires, and then it, it goes to a receiver. And the receiver is actually where the Vicor comes in. The receiver is converting digital electricity to DC. So as a lot of devices just have a native DC input, so that helps us really just power the devices because at this time, nothing can be powered directly off of digital electricity besides some certain lights, which we'll get into later when talking about agriculture. So we're converting to the DC that everybody's familiar with. And the Vicor module has a really great efficiency that allows our receiver to be much smaller than it would be if we used another method of conversion. Wow. Very interesting, Luke. Luke, I want to thank you for your time today. It was a very interesting conversation, both about Volt Server and your digital electricity and how you're applying it. So thank you again for joining us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. You know, Joe, what really struck me about the conversation was the sustainability impact digital electricity can have on controlled environment agriculture, also known as vertical farming. This technology makes vertical farming more viable, and that's really great for the environment. Absolutely. That's right. Uh, vertical farming uses a lot of energy, and digital electricity is making huge strides toward making it more economically feasible to create micro farms in urban and suburban areas that can reach a larger population with fresh produce. This will help deliver fresher produce faster and dramatically reduce the amount of food spoilage, which in the U.S. alone is around 150 billion pounds per year, and that's billion with a B, which is staggering. Wow. Yeah, that's a big number. And to build off of that thought, it should also make a greater variety of foods available to all areas. I think I've mentioned to you, Joe, that I have a couple of children living in New York City, and they said finding basil in the Big Apple is rarer than finding sand in Kevin Costner's Waterworld. I mean, that still shocks me. Basil is not an exotic plant to grow, and yet they can't get it in New York City. So I imagine vertical farming can increase the variety of produce available for all geographies. But I do wonder whether it really be cheaper. I mean, after all, Mother Nature supplies free rain and sun to all conventional farms. Free is pretty hard to compete with. No doubt it's going to be a challenge. But, you know, if you look at it in a vertical farm, LED lighting consumes most of the energy. So going DC direct, like in the case of digital electricity, there were no AC to DC conversion losses, making the lighting more efficient, saving a lot of money over a calendar year. Another benefit of being more efficient is that you don't need to use as much air conditioning to remove 
the heat generated from the AC to DC conversion losses. So you can save all the way around. Yeah, clearly digital electricity provides some real value. We can see how Volt Server is really delivering on the promise of greater safety and power efficiency, especially in the areas of smart buildings, wireless densification and vertical farming. But that sounds like the tip of the iceberg of where they could go. I expect we'll be hearing about many new applications that they are getting into in the near future. Well, you know, I really enjoyed the conversation with Robert and Luke and learned a lot, but that's all we have time for for today. So until next time, I'm Steve Germino with my co-host Joe Ducey. Thanks for tuning in to the Vicor Powering Innovation Podcast. 